Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. This is a quick early reaction to prices coming out. Kyle Busch, 11400 Yeah, this is a Dungeon Series podcast. The audio might not be great down here in my dungeon as the HVAC system cools the modern living environment. I don't know. Do you think Kyle Busch should be the highest price? He's up there. I mean, we should basically just be all JGR cars at the top. The results haven't been that great. Now, before, so I was like, oh, look at these projections. They got some projections here. All I'm doing right now, early in the week, this is what I do. You don't have to do this by any means. But I'm just having the sheet say, well, what's the best finish ever? All right, that's the early week projection for Kyle Busch. His best finish over the last, what, 10 races is a win, so that's what he gets. And then for Hog or Dominator, fast laps, laps, lead points. We're just simply taking his best performance over the last 10 races and his best performance in terms of hog points, which is fast laps and lap set points, he scored 86 in a race. So that's showing up. Just a giant, massive ceiling projection that is just saying, well, what's the best hog performance over the last, what, 10, 12 races? And what was your best finish? That's all this is. This isn't, this is just an easy way to kind of get a barometer, get an idea for projections. So before anybody freaks out, that's what we're talking about. Now, if that were the case, 11,400, that's fine. Really, all of these guys in this price, it doesn't matter. It's a short track. It's 11,400. We've seen drivers in the 12,000s. Obviously, in the Xfinity Series and in the Truck Series, we see some really elevated prices. But the price, yeah, it's going to make it trickier to build your lineups and to get value and to get other guys inside the top 10. But there really isn't a price tag that you can put on Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Elliott, Truex, Larson, that is going like, – there's not a price tag that you can slap on these guys that's going to make them unplayable. If they have the good race, then they're in the optimal lineup, regardless of them being too cheap or being too expensive. If Kyle Busch has a monster day – now, before I completely say that, um, a lot of it depends on other guys having monster days, which I think other guys will have monster days – I am – you ask me right now, I'm going to need three guys to get these hog points. And most of them will be expensive. You might get away with one being slightly cheaper than others. And you might be – but I still would imagine 9000 I mean, let's just look and see real quick what's pricing. I don't – look, I guess there's a chance Chase Briscoe, given that he did, you know, struggled at first to Richmond – Bounce back for a decent day. We know that he won at Phoenix. I want to completely eliminate him, but to early in the week before practice, expect Chase Briscoe to be a hog is a little much. To count on him to be one of the three. Now, you can pick three guys to get hog points and then also slot Chase Briscoe in there as well. But when we're looking at expensive drivers, Alex Bowman, well, the way Bubba Wallace is running, yeah, you could consider him. But again, just like Chase Briscoe, you could probably build a lineup where I've got three top-tier drivers and Bubba Wallace. Three top-tier drivers and Daniel Suarez. Alex Bowen could be one of those three. More, I would believe more than three. And like I said, with Suarez, maybe he is a top-three guy. He hasn't good – I wouldn't though. I would say a build would be – you know, three JGR drivers and Daniel Suarez, or three expensive drivers and Daniel Suarez, three and Bubba. But with Bowman, I could see two and Bowman, although he hasn't led a lot of laps and accrued a lot of fast laps at Richmond. He's been really good at this track. You know, the backdoor win in 2021 
Well, the reason why he was able to slide in the back door was because he was around the back door, meaning he was running inside the top five when he got that win. Was it a backdoor win? Sure. I guess it was a backdoor win. But there were a lot of people that couldn't slide into that backdoor because they were too far into the backyard. They were over the fence. They were down the street. He's down here smoking cigs outside, got one leg leaned up against the wall, just waiting for his time to come like the Marlboro man. And then also we get a late race caution. He has a masterful restart and just take Denny Hamlin to town, gets that backdoor win. Bigger point, the reason why I perform, I think he's a good play, is because he was running in the top five. He wasn't getting passed. He wasn't dropping. He was maintaining speed. You look at this Richmond race right here, to belabor the point on why I think he is a very good deal at 8,400. So look at his laps. Look at the lap-by-lap data for Alex Bowman in that race. We've already talked about uh, spring. He comes back to finish it. He starts 28th and works his way through the field. Look at this. It ain't an easy track to pass at. This short, flat track is not an easy track to pass at, and it's not easy to pass at in the next-gen car. But guess what? Alex Bowman is getting it done. He is doing work. And then, oh, by the way, gets a speeding penalty. Guess what? You get to do it all over again. And he does it all over again on this long run. Works his way back up to where he was. Then we go to stage three. He's finally, I mean, he's not back to where he could have been. Imagine he, A, had good track position. Imagine he started in the top ten. Where would he be to begin stage three? But he didn't. He didn't start in the top ten. He started in the back. Not once, but twice and drove through it twice. Either way, here he is, stage three, not making a lot of movement. He goes one stop cycle and then works his way up here at the end, gets a top 10 finish. Not bad. Gains a couple spots at the end. By no means is he a must roster. I'm not sitting here telling you he's amazing, right? He's, stage three, he had decent track position. He didn't do too much with it. But he only got a third of the race to do something. A little more than a third. Either way. And at this point, they're so far spread out. Like there's not a lot of gains that you're going to make. Seconds are separating you from other drivers. You don't just chew through the field. Impressive for me. And 8,400, you kind of saw this coming. You could tell earlier in the week when Alex Bowman was a plus 3,000 favorite to win. And DraftKings Sportsbook always does this. They always miss on Bowman. Always. That's why I'm constantly going back at my free DK Nation article saying, all right, what's well, Bowman? How do we get this backdoor win? It happens. You hit it every once in a while. And you knew when he got plus 3,000, well, he's going to be cheap again. Byron's cheap, too, at 8,600. He was part of that select few. And part of that is because over the last 10 races, his average finish is 21st. He is not running well right now. But over the last five, he does have a top 10 driver rating on average. It's getting a little bit better. You know, results are results. There's not much you can do about that. Poor things happen. William Byron last week was, or at Indianapolis was running really well, and it just didn't work out for him. The summer schedule is all over the place. This is a racetrack where they were really good in the spring. They're going to come back with a pretty good setup. They'll work on it. You know, after that third place finish at Richmond, he went on to win the next week at Martinsville. 
I like the way that their program is going for short flat tracks. Tyler Reddick, not interested whatsoever. This is not a track for him. But as I say in my price check video, which you can check out, if you go to my DK Nation article and are reading the articles, you'll see the video at the top. And I've been talking about Randall Burnett at the road courses, and Randall Burnett at Watkins Glen is going to be a thing with Tyler Reddick. I've already discussed that. You can read my tweet about it. But another thing I've been saying about Randall Burnett for years, going back to his days with A.J. Allmendinger, A.J. and Randall Burnett, whether it's A.J. style or whether it's Burnett just knowing what he's doing, I think it's more of what Burnett's doing because when Burnett switched over to the Xfinity Series and separated from A.J. Allmendinger, he continued to replicate some of his setups, performances, results at similar tracks without A.J., so I lean more towards it being uh, Randall Burnett. But Burnett, yeah, he set up well at road courses, but he was also good at setting up at the short flat tracks. Look at the results. Look at the data from Richmond for Randall Burnett. Look at the data for Randall Burnett at Phoenix. It's just, it's okay. It's not earth shattering. Look at, uh, I think his Martinsville results for Randall Burnett are pretty good. So that is good. That's going to help Tyler Reddick out. But at 8,800, once we're getting to that point, I really need fast laps. I really need laps led. And even if Burnett is going to elevate Reddick and make him better at Richmond, he's still got to beat some really good Richmond drivers and some really good crew chiefs. Burnett knows this place, but he doesn't know it like James Small. He doesn't know it like Adam Alexander. He doesn't know it like some of the top crew chiefs, Chris Gatehart. Even Ben Bayshore set up pretty strong here. Uh, yeah. Who am I missing? Name the crew chiefs. Uh, whatever. All right, going back to the top. I don't mind the prices on any of these guys. I can't argue. Maybe Elliott's a little high because this is not – Richmond's been really finicky for him. It's never been a strong track. It's never been a bad track. It's always been kind of on the edge of figuring it out. But, like, if we're looking at people who've done really well, they're always setting up really well, like very consistently on top. Bush, Hamlin, Truex. Elliott just hasn't been there. And I don't know if I want to spend 10000 here. We'll see how practice goes. I tweeted out an interesting article from racenews.co or whatever it is about how you know, if you're looking at the lap-by-lap -lap data, you'll see Elliot's having a good day and then he just completely falls off. There's a lot of speculation about what went wrong because there was a covert radio communication between Alan Gustafson and Chase Elliott. Gustafson's like, Elliot's like, what's wrong with this car? And Gustafson's like, yeah, I, we know what it is. And Elliot's just driving like, okay, can you tell me what it is? Can you help me with it? Yeah, we'll fix it. We know, we know exactly what happened. Like, huh, what's going on with that? To, you, know, you can read the article. Check out the article. I tweeted it if you want to get more information on that. Maybe if they get that figured out, then Elliot will have a good race. 10,800 is not terrible at a short track by any means. That's 10,800 for a driver who is super hot. It's been elite. 10,800, momentum's going in the right direction. A lot of laps at this racetrack. I don't know why Truex is the number four on here after such a strong performance. And I know his laps led was a sequencing issue, but like that's for everybody. That's for everybody. Ryan Blaney led a bunch of laps because he got the start on pole. Martrick Jr. led a bunch of laps because he pit first. Christopher Bell led some laps because he ran long. 
And none of these cases am I saying because he was the best. They were all of the best, but not the best. William Byron led a bunch of laps because he got on a different strategy. Denny Hamlin leads the last couple laps because he was on a third strategy and he was just the best of the cars that were on that strategy at the end. But remember, in saying that, none of those guys that I mentioned in the first Richmond race really led because they were the best. They were in control of the race. No one was ever in control of the race. It was all up to Fortuna. The gods and fate decided how this thing was going to play out. They were all dependent on when a caution flag would or would not come. It did not come. And the thirds guys won. But, you know, it is kind of redemptive because Denny Hamlin had the 2021 spring race won. The caution comes out. And Bowman just blows by him. And then next year, we don't get the caution in the 2022 Spring Richmond race, and Hamlin gets the win. The gods at work, folks. Probably should put something a little bit more informative on the screen. Who cares about previous Richmond? Let's just see, like, real rating over... Well, there you go. That's pretty in-depth information right there. It's pretty strong Richmond data. But I want to see current form. We'll put that on the screen. Ross Chastain had a really good car for Stage 1 and Stage 2. Fell off Stage 3. Uh, 10100 Price is fine. Right, Rewind the clock. 10100 for Ross Chastain? What are you talking about? Well, now we're all pretty much used to it. We know what he's capable of. We know there's plenty of laps. We know he's very aggressive, but I don't know if his aggressiveness necessarily is going to work so much at Richmond. You can only dive so low, and the bottom is going to be protected. We see Chastain pull all these tricky moves. I don't really think he can get away with a lot of them at Richmond. Maybe he can. I don't see it happening. Blaney has been strong. Price is up. What race would I want to look at most recently? Because you look at the New Hampshire. That was a huge disappointment. Now, if Blaney comes into this race and pulls another New Hampshire where he does not have speed in practice, I think most of the people who play DFS for New Hampshire were high on Blaney early in the week. The way that Team Pitsky had been running. You look at what he did at short flat track in Richmond against New Hampshire. Yikes. But you knew after practice. You could see this car doesn't have it. Bail, 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 and you were right to bail, and he didn't have him during the race. So if, for whatever reason, the setup is wrong, which I don't expect it to be, it's the fastest car at Richmond, uh, if that's the case, then, yeah, you can bail. Bell's insane. Look at these numbers for Bell. Real rating of 91 in Atlanta. Nah, it doesn't really matter, but whatever. At least he did it. 86 at New Hampshire when he wins. 94 at Pocono. 96 at Indianapolis. 97 at Michigan. Got the old Ross Chastain treatment last week. 9600 for Christopher Bell. He's the eighth highest priced driver. Three Xfinity Series wins at New Hampshire. Three Xfinity Series wins at Richmond. He just won at New Hampshire. He was a contender at the Richmond race. 9600 Slam, slam, slam. I love the play. Love the play. Joey Logano, 9300 Team Penske's kind of went up and down. They're fine. Everything is okay. If you go back and you look at the New Hampshire or the first Richmond race, 
we get those two cautions at the beginning of stage three. And everybody pits for the second caution on lap 258, I believe it is. That's where Legato's jack stand breaks. And he goes from second place to 20th. Never able to recover from that in stage three as the race goes green. He could have won that race. That could have been his race. We're talking about JGR. We're talking about Chase Elliott radio signals. And Alex Bowman driving through the field. We're talking about Blaney. Blaney was good, too. Blaney got in the traffic, kind of struggled. That was not too surprising. Everybody struggled in traffic. But Logano's not getting much attention. Logano's right there by Bell. People probably going to slam in on Bell. And I don't fault you for that. And that might lead to suppressing Logano's ownership even more because of his placement right next to Bell. But Logano has having a good race at New Hampshire. I mean, you want to throw Gateway in. Gateway is a flat track. It's much more intermediate track, but he won a Gateway. <clears throat> Kevin Harvick. Let's look at some of these short flat tracks. 94 at New Hampshire. 94 Nashville's not a short flat track, but whatever. Kind of flat. Gateway 57, that's disappointing, but I believe if we go back to Phoenix, he had a very strong race. 91 at Phoenix, 81 in the first Richmond race. He was creeping up on Hamlin in the closing laps. You run that race five, ten more laps, and I bet Harvick wins that race. He's got momentum on his side, and I wrote about this in my DraftKings article at DK Nation. Think about this. Harvick has momentum. He has confidence. When was the last time that Kevin Harvick had momentum and had confidence? COVID 2018 era, he could not lose. He might have actually been winning a little bit. 2018, what am I talking about? I think in 2018 he was winning every single week. Did I write that in my article? I haven't published it yet. That's actually true in both cases. In 2020 COVID era, he had confidence. He had momentum. He was winning every every other week, practically. You remember that? And then he just gets the playoffs go awry, but he was a fire. 2018, I believe, was the same. 2018 was the same case, too. Momentum, confidence, winning week after week. We thought he was going to win the championship, and he didn't win the championship. He ended up going to uh, – is that when Logano stole it? Everybody's like, uh, Harvick and – Truex and Bush, I believe, are all having this great season. And then Hamlin just – Lagana just sets up completely different at Homestead and wins the sucker. I think that was it. Hard to keep all these seasons together. Either way, the point I'm trying to make, momentum and confidence. We have seen in the past when Harvick and Childers have those, they're unstoppable and they start winning races. This could be the beginning of something. We could be overreacting as well, but it's shaping up really well. Michigan. Great track for Harvick. Great place to get him started. And then Richmond has been pretty good. It hasn't been great of late because of Martin Trex Jr.'s dominance and JGR's dominance. But as we saw in the spring race, he's pretty fast. He's been pretty good at these short flat tracks. And even going back to last season with SHR, and we were looking at the high horsepower, low downforce races, they were pretty consistent. They really struggled in the 550 package. But Eric Almirola won in New Hampshire last season. Briscoe and Custer has some pretty good performances, typically at the high horsepower, low downforce. Moving into this year, you can easily see that's where they transition the best. Now, we don't have as much horsepower, and we have a little bit more downforce, 
but it makes sense that they would be good at these short flat tracks with a little bit more power, a little less downforce. All right. Like I said, Byron doesn't – summer has been tough on Byron, but you're looking at where he is running over these last five races. He's kind of getting back in the grooves. He's not as good as he was at Darlington and at Talladega and at Martinsville. And at I mean, he was really hot in the spring into the summer, and then we get in that weird summer schedule – struggles is getting back moving in the right direction would not be surprised to see him come back to life but Wallace is running awesome now you can dismiss bubble all you want but there's a lot of different ways you can look at all oh, those are one of them those are just random tracks i get it new hampshire to pocono to indianapolis to michigan you can say oh well those are just random tracks but you can also say wow those are random tracks he goes from a 91 real rating at New Hampshire, which means he's running up front all race. And then he's like, oh, let's just go to Pocono, something really different. It's flat, though, but pretty different, different setup. And he's running in the top 10 all race. And then let's go to a road course. And he's running in the top 10. They're setting the cars up. 2311 might as well be JGR. And not only are they giving him a fast car, but he is delivering. Give the guy some credit. Put some respect on his name. Last week, he almost won that sucker. Man, if he could have just cleared Larson a little sooner, that race was his. But you got to lose one before you can win one. That's what they always say. And he lost one. You could tell. He knew he lost one. Had to be a little bit more aggressive on that restart. He'll learn that lesson. He'll get better. He'll improve. The cars will improve. We're going to go to Richmond. Oh, well, it's not really a track. None of these are Bubba tracks. What's a Bubba track? Well, he struggled here in the past. He struggled everywhere in the past. He struggled at all these in the past. All right. Eric Jones. This might not be the week for me on Eric Jones. Seems like some of these more power tracks, for whatever reason, the GMS thing is running better. What did he do at New Hampshire? Yeah. Uh, Briscoe, don't count him out. I don't know if Gibbs is running for sure or not. At least they put him in the player pool early in the week. Had a good week last week, but it's Michigan. Had a really good week last week. Ran, did he get a top 10 in the Cup Series? Got the win in the Xfinity Series. Promising young superstar. Uh, not really interested in Austin Cedric 7,500. Kurt Busch is 7,400. If he pops up, then, yeah, we're probably going to want to roster Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch did not have a good result in the first Richmond race, but that's because he suffered a mechanical error at the beginning of the race. Um, fuel system issue, doesn't get to run anything. 7,400 for Kurt Busch in a JGR car, basically. You're probably going to be chalky if he ends up racing. Austin Dillon has a decent race, does manipulate the, the stages and the strategy a little bit to get this finish, but someone's going to do it. More than likely, one of these mid-tier value plays are not going to be a top 10 driver. They're not going to be the best, but they work the stages correctly. They pit at the right times. The cautions come at the right time, and they finish maybe five, six, seven spots better than they should. And that's what five spots. That's five place. That's five finishing position points. And then you add the place differential points. That's ten points. Ten more points for a value driver. You add ten points to Kyle Busch, not a big deal. At eleven thousand six hundred or whatever he is, eleven thousand four hundred. You add ten points to a seven thousand dollar driver on a point per dollar perspective. That is a significant increase. And that simply doesn't require magical speed. What that requires is the right strategy and the cautions coming at the right time. It's a pretty cheap price for Rakoslowski, who's been absolutely awesome at Richmond in the past, but just has not quite had 
very good cars in the RFK stable. His teammate Busher finished 15th. He had a decent race. Right? Yeah, almost cracking the top 10. Amaral is pretty cheap. We'll wait and see approach. I want to see how they unload in practice. Busher, not bad. He had a top 15 day, but again, that was his first top 20 finish at Richmond since 2017. He ran in the top 15. He had a good day for the first time in a long time. And he constantly admits this is not a good track for him. He has always struggled here. Gets a 15th place finish. That seems to be ceiling. But at 6,600, it's something you could consider. Let's see how he does in practice. Stenhouse is just not going in the right direction. McDowell's cheap, but he's got a lot of top 10s and top 15s this year. But where he has struggled are at the short flat tracks, at the high horsepower, low downforce tracks. Been great at the plate races. Been great at the road courses as we expect. Been very good at the intermediate tracks. If there has been any weakness in the armor, you look, New Hampshire, a 23 real rating for Michael McDowell. Gateway, that's eh, a little more intermediate track. Let's go back to some more pure, short tracky, flat trackies. Martinsville, a 34 at that short tracky, flat tracky. Richmond won a real rating of 19 at the short tracky, flat tracky. Now, let's make a note that he had an unscheduled pit stop in stage one, which pretty much ruined his day. And where's Phoenix? Phoenix, 14 at the short tracky, flat tracky. That's been one of the weaknesses. Not a huge sample size, but when you look at all the good results and then you see the bad ones that stand out, they're all at significant types of track, which mirror Richmond. Uh, Haley, at this price, you start considering some of these guys. Harrison Burton, someone that I'm really interested in. Uh, tracks where he is comfortable and confident in the Xfinity Series, it carries over a little bit, not a lot. This is a Virginia track that is the home of the Burton clan. Martinsville is technically their track. Well, so Sobo, Sobo, South Boston is their home track, but it's not on the circuit. Martinsville then becomes the default home track for Harrison Burton, where he has won. And then Richmond's just up the road in Virginia, and 47, real rating. He was a top 20 driver. Top 20 for 5,800, not bad. Let's see. Anybody else? Nicole Custer won the Xfinity race, but that was because Christopher Bell got wrecked out in that Xfinity race in 2018, I believe it was. No one beats Bell. Ty Dillon, I think he was almost around a 20th place driver in the spring race. 39 just on the outside. Not bad. We'll see. Wouldn't completely eliminate him at 5,400. It's hard to eliminate any of these guys. Uh, I don't like the way LaJoy's running lately. I'm usually very bullish on Todd Gilliland, but he did not look very good in the first race. I don't think this is a strength for front-run motorsports. Don't need to talk about any of those guys. That'll do it. Thank you for joining me here at the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. I'm Pierce Dietrich, Pierce Gallagher Dietrich, if you watch that video. Raceforthepriz.com. Follow me on Twitter. Please go to raceforthepriz.com. Please click on the red box at the top right side of your screen. There's a helmet. It's a Brandon Cruz DFS. Check out the Patreon. If you decide to contribute a few bucks, change of your inflated dollars towards our hard work and effort, 
then we will share our hard work and effort with you if you would like. Maybe you like these videos. Maybe you like this content. Maybe you just want to throw some money our way. Maybe at least you can hit like and subscribe. There's a like button right there. There's also a dislike button. Now, YouTube has made it so you can't see how many dislikes I get. I'll just go ahead and tell you. I'll go ahead and tell you right now, here on the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast, brought to you by myself, how many dislikes I get. The answer is one. I get one dislike on every video. It doesn't matter how many views I get. It doesn't matter how many likes I get. It does not matter how popular the videos are. You can't see the dislikes. I can, and I get one for about every video. Almost like it's the same guy over and over uh, just clicking dislike, not watching the video, or maybe he's watching the video. Like I can't imagine. He's watching the video and saying, nah, disliking this. All right, I'm, we got another video. I'm going to watch it again. Nah, dislike. It's not working. I can't imagine that. One, I imagine it is one person. If there's always just one dislike every time. Not two, not three, not four, not five. Every time there's a – now this is going to mess it up. Here we just start hammering the dislike button. That's fine. Hammer it away. But every time, one, it's been consistent for a year. One dislike on every video. Like someone is waiting for me to release a video. And it's usually pretty early in the release of the video too. It's usually very early in the release. It's not like, oh, a couple weeks later or a couple days later. It's usually like I post it and then a couple hours later, oh, there's the dislike. The guy's got the notification on. He's waiting for my videos and hitting the dislike. But I got to look at the viewing hours and see that they're not even watching the video. If they were watching the video, I would be kind of freaked out that someone is sitting through all of my videos and then disliking them. You are a maniac. Well, one, you're a maniac for hitting dislike every time. What do you, you got nothing else to do? No one else can see the dislikes. No one can see it. It's not really going to mess with the algorithm that much. And if anything, probably the one dislike might actually boost it because it shows that the video is more balanced. I think it actually feeds into the algorithm. It shows that it's actually spreading to different people, maybe. I don't know. But it just, it makes me laugh. I, I, every time I see it, there's the dislike. There he is. There's that guy. Just respond. I got to hit that dislike. Pierce put another video out there. Like he's, I don't know. I wonder if it's just a joke at this point. The guy's doing it. You know, I don't know if you develop some of those ticks. Like some people got like flip the light switch off three times. Or they get out of the house like it's the oven on. It's the oven on. This guy's like, did I dislike his video today? Did I dislike his video? Oh, God, I forgot to dislike his video today. The whole day's ruined. I'm going to go hide under my bed. Time to go to bed. I'm going to go to sleep. Just wait for this day to be over. And then I swear, I promise, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I'm going to do is dislike this video. So that everything is right in the world. I'm going to make sure that I put on the right shoe and then the left shoe. Never put the left shoe on before the right shoe. And I'm going to make sure that I walk out of the front door, take three steps, turn 90 degrees, shut the door, slowly lock it. But if I mess up the lock, then I just reverse lock, lock, reverse lock, lock. And then that's fine. So you got to do a couple X outs. Then if I just walk backwards to the car, then all things are reversed and we reset for the day. That's this guy. That's the guy who has to hit dislike on every video.
He's going to be dislike. Well, the thing is, I'm not going to know if he dislikes this one because I'm sure you guys are mashing the dislike button right now. There's going to be like 15 dislikes, so I'm not going to be able to know it was him if he was there. But that's probably going to mess with him. You actually might want to start doing that because, well, he doesn't know that he's the only one doing it. So that he doesn't get a kick out of that. Maybe he will now. He's never going to stop now, now that he's had his day. Now that he's got his moment, it's like, hey, you, you announced me to the world. This No one knew me before I put on the mask. That's what we're living through. Raceforthepride.com. Patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. That's Patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. If you want to contribute to this type of madness, you're probably like, you know, I don't want to support this. You're a crazy person. Someone has got to stop you. And if that means not giving you money, then that's what it's going to be. Or maybe you're like, hey, uh, I think you are disliking the video. I think you're doing it to yourself in some schizophrenic situation. You are mentally ill and you need my money. Please take my money. I will gladly take your money and spend it on something that a mentally ill person would spend it on. Like for what would I spend it on? I don't know. I'm blanking. I don't know. Finger surgery because I've clicked the dislike button too much. 